0: By, by the way, George Washington is awesome. It really oh, is. Oh yeah, Had so many oh, friends go there and a little cousin and graduate from there.
1: I didn't realize you were talking about the college at first, so I was like, <laughs> that's random. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast in the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. Today we are discussing the topic of college access during COVID-19. With me virtually are Tamika Ferguson, Assistant Professor of Educational Leadership in the VCU School of Education. Amy Jefferson, PhD student in Curriculum Culture and Change and parent of a rising high school senior. Tamika Brown, director of the College Place of Virginia, Charlita Richardson, president and CEO of Partnership for the Future, and two members of the graduating class of 2020 from Partnership for the Future, Diamond Scott, who's a graduate of Thomas Jefferson High School in Richmond Public Schools, and John Tay Burton, who's a graduate of Henrico High School in Henrico County Public Schools. My name is David Knaff. I'm the Assistant Director of Research and Evaluation for Merck and the host of this podcast. Thank you all for joining me today. I'll start our conversation with the same question I ask everybody at the start of one of these. What have the last few months been like for you?
2: Um, I'll jump right in. I'll say that, you know, the last few months have been um, definitely full of change, you know, and really adaptability and ensuring that, you know, for Partnership for the Future, our program is really centered on a lot of direct access and direct work, you know, working with the students directly and a lot of one on one mentoring and so trying to figure out how to best serve and work with those students through the COVID environment. Um, and then still ensure that they are reaching their goals. Uh, and then also adapting our program because our biggest season is coming up, which is the summer session. And that's a lot of adaptation and moving a lot of things virtually. So, you know, we've have to have had to be very fluid in this time period and, and just adjust and um, smile through the frustrations <laughs> and be ready for the calls and the conversations.
3: I would like to jump in and say, these past few months have been quite hectic and pretty eye-opening to the uncertainty of the status quo of our school system and being able to adapt to using technology on a daily basis, no more pen and paper, everything's on online discussions and being able to be resilient to all the changes that are going on. This really has been a test towards our resilience as students and as young adults and all the high school seniors that are graduating this year We've never really faced anything like this before where we had to adapt fully towards a new way of learning Hmm. and not being able to have in-person instruction. So I would say these past few months have been bittersweet, but I'm happy that we're coming to an end and finishing off strong.
1: Hmm. Diamond, has that been pretty consistent with your experience these last few months? Yes, just to piggyback
4: off of John Say, I do believe that it has been completely different just trying to adapt Just trying to normalize the uncertainty and everything that's going on. So I will say that it has been different. And us as seniors, you know, being the first ones to actually experience this, you have to think about those that come after you, you know, you're setting the example. So for us to set the example of actually making sure that all of our work is completed and that everything is done is truly important.
5: Well, and I have students that are working at my house and (laughs) we've had to become a lot more flexible with what's considered work time because the traditional school hours are being more spread throughout the day because the kids have to have breaks. Mm -hmm. And if the kids were actually in school, they would be interacting with their peers and such. And that's so limited right now that as a parent, I'm having to be very mindful that they can't just sit still and stare at a screen for hours on end. Mm -hmm. That they need to have breaks and they need to interact and eat lunch and all of those things.
0: I definitely have learned that it is a balancing act for kids with all of their emotions. Having an eight-year-old be at home when I have to (laughs) teach and have tons of meetings. I have a new level of support for any elementary school teacher. Uh, I definitely feel like I will be in the classroom even more than I have been to provide some parental support and guidance when things find a new normal. But it's been definitely difficult from a higher ed perspective because my students are all doctoral students in an EDD program that's part-time. So they are the deputy superintendents or the VPs of institutions or directors or even teacher leaders who while trying to balance work now have their homes as offices, as instructional classrooms, maybe even elder care, childcare places. Mm-hmm. And so um, being there for them has been really different, but it's helped me also grow in a, as a leader and thinking about grace mm-hmm. and that some things that are important really are not pertinent. And we had to had to reprioritize what are the ways in which we're gauging effectiveness in the classroom by just making sure that people are okay.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that shift has increased my understanding of humanity more. Mm-hmm. And why I need to think about the person more than just the outcomes. So I'm actually grateful for the lesson, even though it has definitely been extremely difficult to balance even myself while being there for others. Right. Well, and
5: Tamika, I think it's really powerful that you're seeing both sides of that. Because mm-hmm. now when your daughter goes back to school, you're going to have a totally different perspective.
0: Exactly. And I, and I definitely have learned how much I forgot about what I learned in second grade.
6: <laughs> oh, I just yeah. To say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's been a period of um, sort of shifting priorities and adaptation for, for everybody at every level, I think. And I know we're all experiencing this differently, but COVID has definitely impacted everybody in some way. So it's always helpful to hear those perspectives. Tamika, thinking about your research here, what, what does the research tell us about how to equitably support college access sort of generally? And then how has COVID changed our thinking about this issue?
0: So there are a myriad of ways that we can support college access, and it it's not just a high school conversation. It's a mm-hmm. conversation along this PK-12 pipeline. And so a lot of it is developing a college-going culture, not only within our schools, but within the community. So that can be increased family engagement within the kids' schooling experiences. Also, a part of a college-going culture is knowing that we have to start with early access to information that is accurate, information that also increases a child's self-efficacy, giving the ability to share opportunities to consider that college access is not just going to a four year, but that there are a myriad of ways in which they can pursue a career or ongoing learning, and you really want to increase a lifelong learning approach. And so we have to shift policies to create spaces, even if that is as simple as maybe having a college counselor present. So I was a part of a program called the College Advising Corps, Mm -hmm. where different, it's now national, it started at UVA, and you have recent college graduates that are being placed in high schools to create that college-going culture, to assist those who are in the building to really motivate the students, let them know that there are opportunities that they can apply and they have the means to apply for financial aid through the FAFSA. And Mm. so it's going as early as, you know, middle school, elementary schools with college access programs, mentorship, things like project discovery to take them onto campuses, even if the campuses are not as welcoming to them, but it's shifting the way in which we approach understanding and really providing opportunity to students.
1: Mm. How do you think COVID has maybe impacted the the ability to build a college going culture in a school. Like are students thinking about college differently right now?
0: You know, I think that college access really is looking at the actions that really happen, not just with students, but also for them, right? So there's policy, there's budget items, there are people who have to be in place, there are cultures that we really have to pay attention to. So nationally in the fall of 2018, you had about 69% of the U.S. population who were graduated high school and had immediate college enrollment. That ranged from 62% of black students to 70% of white students to 78% of Asian that's probably going to be impacted this year when we look Mm -hmm. at iPads data. And so COVID-19 has shifted the ability of schools to be able to have timely and consistent and even early involvement Within the students lives conversations that would have been had or visits that might have been on the schedule have been canceled Mm. early testing to maybe tried multiple times so that you can actually have an opportunity have a good super score when you're applying or classes that might have been encouraging and partnering with different local schools and institutions. Mm. That has made it difficult for students to maybe even see themselves on a college campus because Mm. college campuses are empty. It might be difficult for conversations for parents to say, hey, during the summer, let's go visit. There are no visits happening. Mm. And early testing, the difficulty around having the online ACT and SAT testing is, do our students in rural areas, for instance, even have equitable access to consistent online and broadband? Mm. My parents still have satellite Internet. (laughs) You know, and they're only an hour and a half outside of Richmond. And so there are different levels of access, even to the technology that would bridge the gap between not being able to have virtual and in-person opportunities to really show up on a campus or to be mentored by someone because they are overwhelmed with new responsibilities and their emotions about what's happening with COVID. So it might make it difficult to even wanna fill out an application, cause you don't know if you can afford it or if the schools will be open. So COVID-19 has probably shifted more attitudes and accessibility than I think we've ever seen even in times of the recession.
1: Right. And, I mean, you mentioned that there's a number of resources and programs available to support students in their college access, and maybe those are even more important today than they ever have been. And we have some incredible programs here in Virginia that's promoting college access for students, and two that are represented on this episode. Charlita, let's start with you. Can you talk about the work that you do in Partnership for the Future to promote college access for students in Virginia?
2: That was actually a perfect segue because as Tamika was talking, I was actually thinking about the fact that that, that's why our programs are even more important today. Um, Because we still have access to our students. So Partnership for the Future, essentially, um, we've been around now for 26 years, and we've operated solely originally as a college access organization, pulling from students in the Richmond public school systems, as well as Henrico County. Since then, we've added in Goochland County, as well as Chesterfield County. Mm -hmm. But what we do is really take a look at some of what we consider to be the life skills that students need to develop. Um, and so, everything from your basic time management, conflict resolution skills, communication, public speaking skills, attitude, and all of those things and we roll those up into to workshops for our students but in that, we, we say that those workshops are just as critical as you're, in, as you're preparing students for college access because you need to ensure that they have the foundation so that whenever they get on anyone's college campus, they can be successful. What we also do with our students is we take an opportunity, they, they tour the colleges across the state as well as some in other states across this area that's close by, that we are able to really expose them to those colleges. We also offer them workshops on how do you, one, understand the right fit for your school's selections. We talk about financial aid. We talk about just the overall college application process. How do you write that right, the college essay that you need to prepare? I mean, then we also offer our students internships. We believe that if you take a student and put them in an environment where they're able to, you know, whether it's a corporate environment or a nonprofit where they're able to see themselves being productive uh, members of society, then that builds up their confidence level. And as you build up their confidence level, then especially for first generation college students in particular, they have an opportunity to say that I can make it. And now I see where my future goal and where, I can emulate some people that I'm seeing in my direct pathway. Um, And so for us, we've noticed it's worked. We've had 100% of our students have matriculated to college in our 26 years. Mm. 86% of our students have actually graduated or still persisting through college. Wow. and we've now moved the organization beyond access because as we talk about access, you need to talk about success hmm. and college success. And so for us, we've started really working with them on their college campuses as well, just because as a first gen student, you know, we we say they're ready to go to school and they are, but when you drop them off on a campus, you know, there's still some intricacies that they need to overcome and some hurdles that they may experience. Right. How do you get them through that? So that's what we started doing. Uh, maybe about five years ago. Um, and then we're building out that program now, even more so, to say once they graduate from college, they're coming back into the communities to be successful adults in those communities. So, what does that look like? And so, mm. we're infusing in workshops now to help them transition into understanding those 401k plans that they may have never, their families may have never seen or experienced. Mm. How do you purchase your first home? Giving them the tools and resources because we've been a trusted asset for them for so many years that we don't want to just abandon them and then they. In turn, then come back and help the next generation. Mm-hmm. That's kind of in a, in a nutshell what we do, but it's important this environment that these organizations exist for that reason. But things like COVID happen.
1: Right. So when you say for the future, you mean college and beyond. Yes, so it really is for the future. And uh, yes. you mentioned first generation college students. Can you give us a quick definition of what that means?
2: The first generation college students are defined essentially by students whose parents have never actually gone to school, or may have not actually. They may their parents may have an associate's degree, but more than likely haven't obtained a four year degree. And so they're the first generation in their line of their mm-hmm. families to actually matriculate and to get to school.
1: Right. Yeah. And there's uh, lots of research supporting the the need to like provide some sort of like special extra support for students who are first generation. There's a lot of resiliency in that that population. Tamika, can you talk a little bit about the work that you do at The College Place?
7: Sure. So The College Place is ECMC's nonprofit end. And so here in the state of Virginia, we work to empower school districts, schools, uh, community-based organizations, parents and students to make sure they understand the, the process for preparing for college as well as paying for college. So I spent a lot of time traveling throughout the state, um, making sure that um, we're leading workshops, making sure we're having one-to-one meetings to support people around these topics. We work in a couple different capacities. One is through consultancy, schools, community-based organizations reach out to us to figure out what are ways that they can strengthen their existing college access programs or even create uh, college access programming. Also, we lead a lot of workshops, which are phenomenal. We lead workshops around paying for college, preparing for college, things that juniors should be doing right now in preparation for next year, understanding the nuances of college admissions and how GPA is in everything. There's so many movable parts about the college access experience. So um, we leave a lot of workshops around it so that we can make sure people have the right information at the right time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes giving students information in senior year is too late. A lot of times it's too late. Junior year may be too late. Mm -hmm. So we even leave workshops with early middle schoolers from things that you can do in high school to make yourself look more marketable to colleges and universities and also paying for college workshops where we partner with Virginia 529 Mm -hmm. with their savings plans so that parents can understand the different avenues that they can entertain for paying for college. And in the COVID environment, it's been really interesting because We've been existing in a virtual space all along. There are times I don't drive or drive or fly. I spend a lot of time flying, flying to schools in various parts of the state. But, you know, we have virtual meetings, but it's been building confidence among the school counselors, among the school staff, to let them know that we can actually like, do these things virtually. I know we're used to face-to-face, we're more comfortable face-to-face, mm. but we can still be face-to-face in a Zoom environment, on a Blackboard platform, in Teams. There, there are different resources that are here that we can take advantage of by just transitioning the work that we do into a virtual space. So um, it took us about a month and a half to really, <laughs> to really make people more comfortable. We were dealing with a lot of questions, Because, you know, schools were concerned about the legality of it. They were concerned about kind of what it's going to look like. Are students really going to get the impact? How are we going to engage students? Mm -hmm. It's really big questions that we had to make schools and parents even comfortable with. But once we've gotten to that, it's been awesome. You know, we've been working across the board with people throughout the state on different workshops and also helping people to make timely decisions. We're working closely with seniors who are trying to figure out hey, I was supposed to step foot on a campus in the fall. <laughs> there, I mean, there have been changes in my family income. My parents were laid off. My mom lost her job. I, I won't have any available money to go to school outside of financial aid. So what are my options? Like, should I consider going to school part time? Should I consider the community college avenue? And also students who are very real about the current climate. Look, mm. it's uncertain. We don't even know if we'll be able to step on a campus in the fall. So does right. it make sense as an entering freshman for me yeah. to start school right now at a four year school and pay more to sit in a virtual environment to go to Princeton versus going to a local community college, at least for my core courses. Right. So we're helping, we're helping to hold hands through this, through this process.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, what's really hard about this, I imagine, is that there's all these decisions that need to happen right now that are so consequential, but there's so much unknown. So you're making decisions based on something that you don't know what it's going to actually look like in the fall.
7: Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of planning for what may happen. And then what is the best case scenario and what would that look like? And finding the median. Hmm. Finding, finding that, that, that sweet spot that like, if it goes left or right, I'm still in a good place. I'm still making progress towards my academic and career goals. And so empowering them with, with those knowledge that knowledge and skills and being a resource. Um, being that sound wall a lot of times, parents are just like, I don't know, be honest with me. The college <laughs> right. will tell me. And- And I think we sit in a space in that we work with schools and we work with colleges as well. Mm. So colleges give us information. We're very connected with NACAC and a lot of the national organizations, but we'll get information about changes, changes in commitment deadlines and financial aid commitment deadlines and disseminating that information appropriately to parents and students. But we sit in a space where their parents will say, the schools will tell me anything, what do you think makes the most sense for me based on our family situation, based on what you know about my student, what makes the best sense for me? So it's great that we, they have that confidence in us.
1: Right. So maybe it's more important now than ever to serve in that consultant role and in inform decision making when, when decisions are not easy to make. Charlita, mm-hmm. how about with Partnership for the Future? How has this changed your work and how has it impacted your students?
2: You know, the biggest thing, as we've all said, is just really transitioning everything for us to virtually um, to, like Tamika. Tamika was fortunate. They've been virtual for the most part. We have not been. Uh, we've been very hands on um, direct one on one meetings with students. And so transitioning all of that to a virtual platform and still making sure that we're able to achieve the goals and do a lot of the training that needs to take place um, has been interesting in and of itself. But in that, one thing that we had to really take a step step back and really start asking uh, more questions on is with the students, while it is important to tackle the goals of college access and how do you get them to school and all of that, we've also had to make sure we've infused more sessions on um, helping students transition in this overall environment mentally. What do you need? How's your time management go going with things? You know, what are your concerns so that we can then make sure that we serve as a resource to direct them to the places and organizations that they need access to? You know, because if a student, you know, has food insecurities talking about college in this time period, mm. that's not that's not going to be very helpful. Right. You know, so we've had to transition some of our thought patterns on how we have some of the conversations with the students to make sure that we're tackling those initial concerns and then we can start having a a following up and continuing the conversations on college access. I'll tell you, you know, as I said, summer is our biggest season. And so we've also had to look at how do we take these workshops that we're doing now virtually and make Mm -hmm. it more interactive Mm -hmm. um, so that they're not, just sitting at a computer all day. How do you make it, you know, virtual scavenger hunts and make the workshops work? You know, how do you hold the students accountable? So that's where we've been focusing a lot of our efforts now in the more recent weeks as we prepare to kick off for the summer. It's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens and to see how our students experience it. We've also had to add in now a workshop, especially for our seniors who's going off to school. How do you adapt to an online learning environment, especially a collegiate learning environment? Right. That's a totally different thing. and and really understanding how do you work through your test taking your, your study skills and all of that follow your professors workshops and lessons and so that's a new workshop that we've added in because of this environment that we're in right now as well
1: right and we have two of your students here that are that are living this reality right now diamond uh you alluded to this a little bit earlier but talk about how covid impacted your senior year i know that's a big question because it's happened in so many ways and how has this made you change the way you think about college this fall
4: Yes, well, everything definitely happened really quickly. You know, one minute I'm sitting in English class getting told that our senior week is canceled. Then next, we're out of school for a week, then two weeks, then indefinitely. So, you know, it's definitely been a change. It was definitely all fun and games in the beginning with no school. But then you realize you, you get no last goodbye, no prom, no senior skip day, no last hug to your teacher. So nothing. You really never get that last moment. It's also very weird just thinking about college, you know, going in the fall because some schools hasn't made the final decision on if you will be attending in-person classes or if it will be virtual. Mm -hmm. Honestly speaking, I am a technical savvy person, but especially being a science major, I'm very a hands-on learner, you know. I actually want to touch and wanna feel and just want to grasp the concepts. So it's definitely been an adjustment that I've had to make and COVID has definitely impacted my life, especially being a senior in this season.
1: I'm wondering if some of the things that Tamika was talking about, about like when you're making decisions about going in in the fall and knowing that like I'm going to have to be there remotely instead of in person, potentially. At any point, has that changed the way that you've considered what you want to do this fall? Has it ever been in question?
4: It really hasn't changed my uh, decision because Virginia State still holds my heart. So I haven't, <laughs> really, I haven't really changed my decision. But, you know, for other people, that has been a different option or a different way of thinking.
1: Right, Jante. How about you? What have you experienced all of this? From the beginning, back in
3: March, we all didn't really know how to feel about it. Like everyone was like, "Oh yeah, we're about to go on Corona Like <laughs> I'll see you in two weeks." And then two weeks go by, and then the rest of the school year's canceled. And then everyone's in shock. And as Diamond was saying, we missed out on prom. We're gonna miss out on our regular type of graduation, all the senior events all these different things that seniors in the past have been able to experience. It's kind of upsetting, but we still are able to adapt, like we've always been saying about using technology and finding different ways to congregate and celebrate our accomplishments over time. And the way it's really effective, like with my call decision, was back in March, around the time this happened, I still didn't know where I was going to college. I was still waiting for college decisions. The week after we were out, I started receiving a bunch of college decisions. And I ended up getting my top two from mm. the College of William and Mary and from George Washington University. Congrats. And thank you. And I never visited George Washington University. And I was planning on having April to be able to go visit the campus and be able to go up there and be able to see what it's like and all college campus tours were canceled. That just made my decision even harder of Mm. choosing what school I'm going to go to because I've been to William & Mary. It's a wonderful school but I really wanted to have that chance to get that sense of community at school and see what it is before I decide to commit my next four years there. Mm. So I really had to adapt and communicate with current students that go there, figure out different networking opportunities, go to the different Zoom meetings and really try to find the community virtually and be able to build those connections with people that I could have made in person, but now I have to adapt and be able to do it remotely from my phone and from my laptop. And so I ended up deciding the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Hmm. based off all of that. And that really shows how much of a strong community that they have there in D.C. just based off me talking to people and be able to see all the passions other students have and all the things they're advocating for. And just, it really opened my eye. And I feel like my decision wouldn't have been the same if Corona didn't come to the United States and really close everything down.
1: Right. How do you feel about that, about going to George Washington this fall when you've never had a chance to set foot on campus? What does that (laughs) feel like? It's
3: exciting, but still scary, of course, because I'm going to be moving into a, a big city And I'm going to be living in the city. So it's going to be totally different because I've been trying to use their different resources online to be able to get a feel of campus. But as everyone says, you really have no idea what it's really like until you actually set foot and go there. So I've been just preparing myself in every single way possible to be able to be ready for any type of event or any type of occurrence that happens up there. But I'm just trying to keep my faith and just go.
1: Yeah. And for uh, Jonta and Diamond, I'm really curious about this idea of uh, like the, the class of 2020 has had to make so many sacrifices, but I feel like there's also this kind of like special resilience that's probably built up from this group that no one else is experiencing. I'm wondering how you feel like, how is the class of 2020 different? than any other class that's preceded it or is it going to be after it? How is this going to impact you uniquely?
4: It's definitely impacted us. And I think we we definitely do have this sense of resilience. You know, we're the same class that went through of le- 9-11. So, you I- know, just these different historical events that's taken place. So it's really built up our strength. And our character would be like, well, we can get through anything. If we got through this, we can get through anything. And it's actually showing the classes behind us that, well, if they did it, we can do it too. Hmm. Or we can do it better. So it's just giving us more resilience, more zeal, and more courageousness just to keep going and just to keep moving forward.
3: Yeah, the resilience really has built up over time and really has built our character to be able to keep pushing forward through all these different occurrences and different events that try to hold us back but we always come back stronger and keep getting all these accomplishments and accolades. We really feel like nothing can really stop us at this point Mm. because through all the things that we've been through and all the different tragedies that happened throughout our country with high school students, a lot of us are still here, still pushing forward and graduating this year. And I feel like for the classes that follow us, it's going to be totally different with the way education is formed and how policy around education is formed. So I feel like our year is a really defining moment towards education policy reform and being able to change things to be able to be equitable for everybody and a lot of a lot of different people are actually looking into the problems that are in our community and actually are ready to address them because they become so flagrant.
1: Yeah, I think people will be talking about the accomplishments of the class of 2020 for a long time. And speaking of upcoming graduating classes, Amy, you're the parent of a rising senior. How has COVID impacted your approach to college planning?
5: Well, and I would actually like to start by saying that Jonte and Diamond are excellent role models, that it's possible to stay positive and grow during change. You guys are awesome. Most <laughs> was you. fantastic. With my son, we've been trying to just plan as best we can. Like many, I'm sure we had a bunch of college tours planned during spring break that all got canceled but we've been doing virtual tours online which Mm. actually ended up being pretty nice because we could visit multiple schools in a short period of time and then it was easy to like pause the tour and compare it to another school that we had talked about Mm. and look at multiple different layers within each school which was really helpful We've also been keeping in mind that the application process might proceed going to actually visit the schools in person and that we might not be able to visit schools until 2021. Hmm. So it might be you've been accepted places. Now we actually need to set foot on campus.
6: Hmm.
5: And that's kind of put a hold on the thought of applying early decision because Mm. we were thinking about that and now it's like is that really an option? Does that really make sense? One thing we were talking about this morning at my house was we were talking about writing and because he hasn't actually been in class, there's kind of been a hold put on writing papers and research and things like that Mm. which is super important especially at the end of high school preparing you for college and not only how is that going to impact when you're writing your essays for college, but how's that going to impact college when you're going to be expected to do so much writing and research? Mm -hmm. So that's a concern that we've been thinking about too. And then of course the SAT, ACT question of, do we try to take it again? Because he was going to take it again and he was two days from taking it. And he was all prepared and studied and math is not his strong suit, but he'd really, really been focusing on it to improve his score. And then it got canceled. Mm. So do we start that process again? Since some schools are saying that you can waive it, that you don't have to take them, but would it look better if he did take them? So there's just lots of questions, but everybody's dealing with these questions. So that's what we keep telling ourselves as well. One thing that's been really helpful is trying to use the extra time creatively. Hmm. So for example, my son um, wants to major in music, so he's been spending a lot more time playing the piano and creating his own compositions, which then he can use those as he's applying to colleges and things like that. So it's been interesting. A lot more family time, that's good.
1: (laughs) Right, I'm wondering about, um, and. I think this would be true of maybe anybody who's pursuing college in the upcoming class. I wonder if there's any implications for uh, how motivated you are to hop into the application process in the fall. Because normally it would be like, I'm starting my senior year. I'm excited to get started with applying. Now it's sort of there's some ambiguity to it. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if like, motivation has is impl- uh, sort of impacted at all by what we're experiencing right now.
5: One thing that I've noticed, instead of him talking about being excited for his senior year, he's been talking about, well, if I did this as a career, how much money would I make? What would Mm. my, like, he's starting to think about, like, past college as opposed to even thinking about senior year. It's almost like he's jumping ahead because everything's in such a weird space.
1: Jonte, what do you think about that? In reference to what she was talking about,
3: standardized testing and a lot of stuff being waived and being phased out, I would say the application and admissions process is the whole landscape is being changed. And I want to say that the holistic approach is real. And it's actually a real thing to look at all the different parts of the application. And uh, you're no longer really defined by a number anymore. You're not defined by a SAT superscore. You're not defined by a GPA anymore. They really look at to what you're involved in. Where do you volunteer? What important experience have shaped your life and made you the person who you are now mm. and how you can convey that in your essays and supplemental essays all together with um, a lot of the major universities all over the country waving it. And then with the, the California um, higher education public um, school system, they're phasing out in the next five years, the SAT all together and the ACT right. all together. Mm-hmm. So I think it really the landscape, it's, After our class, everything is changing with the way college access even works anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. Maybe what we're experiencing right now is just going to accelerate some of these changes that have sort of been in the pipeline for a while. Charlita, I'm wondering what resources or advice would you have for high school students from the class of 2020 or 2021 as they pursue college right now?
2: You know, I think with. 2020, I would just say at the end of the day, flexibility in this class has proven that they, they can do that. And so just continue to keep that open mind and open perspective as they're moving ahead to the next step in their journey. With the 2021 class, you know, I think about the resources that we provide to our students. And a lot of it is really centered on financial aid processes and scholarships. And I think that if nothing else is proven itself with COVID-19, it is definitely proven to have a huge financial impact, whether it's with local school districts, whether it's with people losing their jobs, um, Mm -hmm. even colleges and their funding. And a lot of colleges have fortunately have frozen tuition, but at the same time, they're also not necessarily giving out the aid that needs to be given. So I think 2021 needs to really look at being really adamant about trying to complete scholarships and using sites like College Greenlight, Raise.me, FastWeb, doing your research on college boards and also looking at, from that research, looking at the actual college graduation rates for those Mm. schools and making sure that that, those schools, just because they're getting students into the schools, are they completing it is the biggest question you need to be asking. And then also a a little shout out to Tamika's company um, organization. (laughs) Opportunity booklets, they are absolutely amazing. So if anyone can get their hands on opportunity booklets from the class of 2021, then by all means do so. And then the last thing I've thought about is really Khan Academy, not knowing where SAT prep or SATs are going to land, if they are still a factor in 2021, making sure you utilize those free resources from Khan Academy to prep for the SAT because you still want to make your application as viable and as competitive as possible.
1: Tamika, you got the shout out. What uh, resources or advice would you
7: <laughs> Thanks, Charlita. Uh, I'm always surprised when I go different places and they're like, oh my God, you're from the organization that does the ops work? <laughs> and so um, no, it's an it's a awesome resource. We, we publish it every year, we update it every year to make sure that everyone has up-to-date, accurate information on preparing for college. It gives anything from checklists, which, what students should be working on from freshman year through senior year to uh, detailed information about all the public and private colleges and universities in the state, the higher education centers that exist here. It really is an awesome resource. And so we, we get it republished every year any person in the organization, any school can go on our website and order as many as they want free of charge. Mm. Um, I've had schools order 1,500 of them, and they're a decent-sized booklet. It's about 50 pages, and it's good quality. So, I mean, it's a great because We really just want to make sure that people are empowered with the information. So I think that for the class of 2020, I think they should spend a little bit of time figuring out what are these deadlines that are coming up. Many of them have committed to schools already. They're like, oh, I think I'm supposed to sign up for orientation by this day, but because of COVID-19, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Be aggressive. Contact admissions (laughs) counselors. Contact the appropriate people to find out the answers that you need. You don't want to sit around and guess and wait and miss out on your opportunity to get things that you need in order to start school in the fall. Mm -hmm. So I've been preaching that to the kids who are graduating. I'm like, when is your orientation date? When do you register for classes? You're going to community college, have you taken your placement test? And a lot of them are like, I don't know. I don't like that answer. We'll talk in a week and (laughs) I need to hear something different we've done a lot of work. They've done a lot of work, their teachers, their families. Let's not drop the ball. Yes, this time is overwhelming for everyone, but there's still things that has to happen before you start school in the fall. We also noticed that historically, it has been about two to three percent of students who say, I'm going to take a gap year um, and actually start school. This year, 17 percent of seniors are saying, I'm going to take a gap year. That's huge. That's huge. I think Tamika would say that's a statistically significant, Um, but it really is, it's a huge number, and so it goes, you know, we're like, all right, what does planning look like for that class? You want to do a gap year, but have you planned for a gap year? What did you want to do over that year? Backpacking around Europe is probably not an option right now, but where are you going, are you going to try city year? Are you going to try some AmeriCorps programs? Are you going to take on employment? Considering how the economy is looking right now with all the layoffs and people are losing their jobs and closures, what will job opportunities look like for you in competition with folks who are you know actually in the workforce right now hmm. so we're trying to help them to plan if you're actually going to do a gap year actually plan for the gap year where do you want to go in a year and what does that look like and hmm. then for the class of 2021 a lot of them are really paralyzed by the fear of what's happening now hmm. and in that paralysis they're not doing any of the, the developmental work that they would have been doing in schools. They're not doing any of the interest inventories, any of the career assessments, any of that exploratory work that's necessary to one, identify a career choice or career field of interest for them, and then figure out the appropriate post secondary pathway. No, we do not preach go to four year school. No, what is the appropriate post secondary education for your career choice? And then figuring out right college. They just want to kind of jump to August and figuring out and completing application. And we're just like, nah, it's a couple steps before then. So we're just trying to coach folks along, use online resources. A lot of schools use Naviance, which is an awesome tool. It really is a one package deal that has everything. It has an interest inventory. It has a search engines for colleges and universities. But if your school doesn't offer that, the internet has a wealth of resources. The U.S. Department of Labor has an own net which has a interest profiler that's super user friendly mm-hmm. and it helps you. It's 60 questions, figure it out. And it gives you, the, the output tells you the types of career fields that you'd be uh, successful doing based on the things that you would want to do on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So please explore these resources. If you don't know, call people, email people, be annoying. This is your future.
6: Mm-hmm. You only
7: have one time to be a senior. I'm sorry that your senior year is during COVID nineteen. I really am. Mm-hmm. This is your only see. This is your only time to be a senior. This is your only time to be a junior to to do that developmental work. So how are you going to make this work for you? We we have 2021 exercise the same resilience that 2020 is is doing now. 2020 realizes, hey, we got to move. 2021 mm-hmm. is like, let's get ourselves together so that in the fall we can we can actually hit the ground running in a way that makes sense.
1: Right. Right. And even if you're going to take a gap year, do something meaningful with your gap year. Please. Tamika, what do you think? What resources of advice would you uh, offer?
0: You know, one of the things I can say is that just because you're not in the school building doesn't mean that you are completely disengaged and you have no communication with those people who have been in your life consistently, encouraging you assisting you, helping you along your way to go to college. And so if that means emailing and having one-on-one meetings, either over the phone or Zoom with your college counselors, with your high school counselors, making sure that you're still communicating via email with the admissions officers at the universities. We might not be in the buildings, but as a lot of people say, we are over Zoom. Because we are still present and we're still working. So we still have to hold the universities and colleges that the students are, that you're interested in, accountable. And so if they've stopped communicating with you, if they might not be as responsive as they're used to, and that is your interest, just like Diamond was saying her hardest with Virginia State. I'm pretty certain the conversation with Virginia State did not end when the coronavirus hit and she was no longer in the building. Also, if you have been written essays, if you are going to be working on essays, what better thing to talk about than facing the challenge of surviving through the corona which is such an awesome, positive way to think about it. But also, how have you grown? Um, one of the things I think is really powerful is when we can sit down and think about what have I actually experienced, so reflecting over what have I actually like done? What have I changed about myself? Whether that's talking with our parents, our family, our friends, community people really take a moment and pause and think about all that you've been able to accomplish so far and give yourself a little bit of grace and encouragement. You have probably grown in ways you didn't know were possible. Hmm. For some of us, you know, working online has been a part of my job before. I could not imagine having to learn online if that was never integrated into my classes. So knowing that you should celebrate the little wins of just showing up logging in, even on days where you may have slacked off, but you caught up. You know, people like us were proud of you, but we really want you to feel encouraged and to be proud of yourself as well. And as you are preparing for college, you have a little bit more free time than you possibly did while there was sports or other activities. So are there skills that you want to learn? Are there any things that you need to use YouTube University or people in your community and even in your family to connect with? maybe there are some deficiencies that you've noticed about yourself, right? Like, So for me, I was never a good math student. Like I got, I got good grades in math, but didn't increase the likelihood that I wanted to pursue it in college. <laughs> if that is something, you know, maybe using Khan Academy, maybe using other resources online to build your skills so that when you get to college, you are ready, whether it is online or not. Because learning online is actually a part of the college experience for a lot of students even if it's just using technology to send emails and communicate with your teachers. So you now have a jump start and some experience so you can excel at the next level. And for all of you who are really juniors and you're sophomores and you're feeling as though you missed out on something, use this time to really make the most of the time when you become a senior. Mm-hmm. So you know what are the most meaningful things that you want to pursue. Make the goals that you want to accomplish a priority so that it benefits you in the next stage. So if you need to do testing earlier and you need to maybe prepare for it, you can start studying now. Go over your virtual list of colleges, visit the campuses now so that once this is over and we find a new normal in society that you can now have a plan of action to work from. I think it'll make it easier for you if you do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Amy, what are your thoughts?
5: I would say to parents and to students, if you go to your school website, often there's resources under the counselors tab that will provide like timelines and suggested activities that you could be working on over the summer, like Tamika was saying, like starting to work on your essays. And if you go to the Common app, they actually have a lot of different resources for students and for families, and they've already posted their essay prompts. And there's also advice in there, so you could start working on your draft for your essays and things like that.
1: Jante, what do you think? Um, My recommendation would
3: be, look at the way your prospective college is handling the situation and what their response is towards the virus and to everything going on right now. Hmm. And if they're not giving an adequate response to what you're about to experience during the next year, and they're not giving any of the tools that are necessary to be able to excel to the next level, then that probably might not be the best institution for you because they're not addressing the problems. They're not communicating with the students, and you don't want to deal with that for the next four years. You want a school that will be able to address the problems directly and be able to be very open with the students. And then also, I would say, be vocal with counseling and be able to communicate with your counselors because they're there for you, because mental health is one of the most important things you should care about during this whole outbreak, Mm -hmm. is because sometimes without any of these interpersonal like connections anymore in person. Some people may experience loneliness They're not able to see their friends and not being able to really talk to family members. And it's important to be able to communicate with people that care about you and be able to have open dialogue with them to be able to keep excelling on what you want to do, but also keep your mental health well.
1: Absolutely. Diamond, bring us home.
4: (laughs) I would say take this time to network. Definitely. You know, um, Oftentimes we go to school and we'll just walk past, right past our counselor's office. But since this time I have constantly emailed my counselors, we're at the point now where we have each other's cell phones, cell phone mm-hmm. number. So i look in my email one day and I can see my counselor sending me emails like, do this scholarship. So just take this time to really network and to get your foot wet. It can help with different connections and different things that you may need if it's recommendation letters or any other essential things you may need as you embark on your new journey for college.
1: Yeah, anything to to keep us connected and looking towards the future, I think is important. And we are going to need to leave that there for now. But if you would like to stay up to date with research, resources and profiles of best practices in the time of COVID, you could check out the Merck website at merck.soe.bcu.edu slash projects. That's M-E-R-C soevcuedu slash projects. Our goal is to make our website a clearinghouse of relevant information as we navigate our new reality together. And your contributions are critical to that effort. So please share your recommendations for resources that you have found helpful, as well as educators who you know are innovating in the time of COVID. Thanks as always to the VCU School of Education for supporting the work we do at Merck and to all of our member school divisions, Chesterfield, Goochland, Hanover, Henrico, Petersburg, Powhatan and Richmond Public Schools. My thanks to Tamika Ferguson, Amy Jefferson, Diamond Scott, Jonte Burton, Charlita Richardson, and Tamika Brown for speaking with us today about college access during COVID-19. Finally, thanks to you at home for listening. We hope that you and all who are important to you are well. This has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. Let's talk again soon.